teachers, I'm Carly Walton, and this is the Teach Music Online podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to give you the audio from our recent Q&A session inside the Teach Music Online membership. So once a month in the membership, I invite all of the teachers to join me in a Zoom call where they can ask any question that they have for their current challenges in their online teaching. So we get a number of questions on a variety of topics, and I also open it up to other teachers to answer questions if they have good ideas or resources that they have found helpful for them in their studios. So in this session, you're going to hear a little bit about the following topics. So we talk about tips for starting out as a teacher if you're brand new to teaching, how to raise your rates for family and friends if you've been teaching family and friends for a while and you don't know how to raise your rates with them, how to choose what to charge for lessons, when to raise your rates. We talk about YouTube and how to use YouTube for a virtual recital, how to get students to create a good recording, and we also talk about methods for teaching advanced students online. So you are really going to enjoy the session where we really get into a lot of the challenges that are so common among online teachers. I hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and dive into this live Q&A session hosted in Zoom. Marie, overall advice for a new, relatively new piano teacher. Overall advice. Well, I think the best advice I'd have is keep in mind that when you're teaching new students or any student, all you need to be is a few steps ahead. That's all you need. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or feeling like I can't teach this student, I haven't been teaching very long, you already know so much more that you can give that student. So just remember like I was working with a beginner today actually and I and I we were working on improvisation and arranging and she said to me you make it look so easy you know when I'm just improvising and playing around with a song and I told her I have to remind myself that it's not easy the things that you know already that you've been teaching for so long are not are not easy and so Figuring out a way to make things look like the ABCs to a new beginner student, um, I guess it would be my biggest suggestion. But if anybody else has a suggestion, when you very first started teaching piano, what was something that helped you? Or was there a resource or a book that helped you as a studio teacher? Anna Marie? Um, I would say just be patient with yourself and the student and really listen to what they're saying. And you kind of have to read between the lines, especially if they're young, because like, for example, I had one student look at an accent mark and he said, why are there Pac-Mans all over my page? Because he was thinking of the Pac-Man chomping. So you just, you just really have to be patient. And when I first started teaching, I, I had never thought about teaching piano. I, the, basically, the person who started me said, do you know where Middle C is? And I said, yes. And she threw some books at me and some names and said, off you go. And that was how I started. <laughs> the other thing is, today I was um, taking a class in Google, and somebody was saying in the Google classroom, you don't have to be an expert anymore, because with technology, you can say, you know what, hold on, let me go and find the answer for you, and I'll be right back. And you, you don't even have to be right back on the computer, you can just kind of look it up on the site. So don't be afraid to say that you don't know or that you're unsure because they're just happy to find someone who's willing to listen to them to answer their question. I guess the biggest thing for me is like trying to figure out like um, 
I guess, general vocab to use with the kids because sometimes I say certain things and they're like, huh? So like breaking down like into small, smaller steps or smaller sentences to get good, good directions to the students, I think is um, one big thing that I could work on. Do you have any advice in that area? My suggestion is, um, I think it's important to find a method book is slowed enough. I think what I was doing, uh, I always try to give students more and more and more. So I teach very fast. It's a perfect way to train someone to teach piano, but work for kids, it's, I think kids, you need to find a method book slow, like flavor is perfect. And another thing is, if you don't know how to teach, just read some children's story. Everyone loves story. If you relate it to anything about story and the kids will love you. So that's my advice. <laughs> Welcome, Debbie. She asked if the registration form is identical to the policies, wondering if doing both a registration form and a policy is duplicating the same thing. That is such a good question. And what I'd, I wanna put a link in here to a video that's going to help you. Um, let me grab that. And while I'm grabbing that, a policy is basically your, it's your policies. And I, as you know, all of you know, I like, I talk about being brief. Hold on, let me put, let me put this in the chat. Brevity is harder to do because it's easier for us to go on and on about what we think is important. But being clear and having bulleted points in your policies is really important. So I talk about four things that should be in your policy and your registration page or your registration form is where you're gathering information from the student. So it's where you get their name, their address if you need it, their email, their phone number, maybe if you need to know anything about their level, what they're interested in. That's the a form is something that they're completing. A policy is something you need them to know. Advice for bridging the friend-student gap, especially as it pertains to introducing enforcing policies. I'm referring to friends or colleagues who also happen to study piano with you. So Jack, you're talking about a friend that is a friend of yours, but that's also a student of yours. And is this someone who's not a student yet or someone who you're inviting to be a student? Uh, so the question came up um, for me as I'm doing my, my studio policies for the year. And I realized that a lot of, like a, a good chunk of my income comes from people that I know like in my personal life. And I feel like, cause it's not, it's far from just one. It's probably about six people. Um, that like regularly take lessons with me that are at really low rates because they've been studying with me for like since we were in college together or they're at really low rates because we work together and they just got furloughed or whatever like or they just cancel all the time and I feel like I feel really bad about saying you can't do this but also I hold a time slot for them every week and I feel like I'm willing to do that at a lower rate if they are respectful of the time at least. Um, but that's not always the case. And I wonder if throwing a studio policy sheet to them is gonna just turn them off completely, which I can't really afford to do because it is like mm -hmm. a sizable chunk of my student base. Um, yeah, I don't know how to approach that like tactfully. That is such a good question. That is so challenging. I have several family members that I have taught 
Um, but I, I, I feel like they're, they've been kids though. They haven't been a friend of mine or someone my age um, or in my age you know, bracket. Does anybody have experience with that? Jack, you're in a, not a unique position, but one that we've been in before because we've all like grown up and we've offered to teach our friends and then it kind of morphs. I think what you need to do is just really have a frank conversation and say, hey, this is my business now and I love teaching you. It's great that you want to come into this studio, but I'm also holding that time slot for you. So let's find something that works for both of us. Maybe maybe every week doesn't work for you to commit or you know, maybe we could move to every other week. And that way on those off weeks, you could do trial lessons or maybe fit in another person who can't do every week, like who doesn't have that in their budget. Because part of the problem is too, is that your friends are probably not earning as much money as maybe some of these parents are that can afford to do piano lessons every week for their kids and sign up for a whole curriculum for the year. So if you want to keep your friends and be understanding about them, ask them to make a firmer commitment that's within their budget. Okay, definitely. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, may, may, may I say something? Yes, Lily. Yes. Okay, because I was, uh, I, I was in the same uh, position before. Yes, because I started teach when I was 16 in China. And then after more than 10 years, I'm, or more than 10 years, then I moved to the US, I start over. So I became a college kid again. So what you went through, I went through the same thing. But my suggestion is, so if you are, I, I'm, I'm not sure, are you a college student or you graduated? Uh, when, uh, yes, so when I was a college student, I was taking my master's degree. Yeah, I have some of those students. So I teach them, it just earns some extra income. But I really don't care to teach them a lot. I don't want to sign a policy with them because I want to practice piano. If I have any performance opportunity and I will tell them I won't aware about for the class at the last minute, even they come to the college to, for me. So, but in, but in that time, I look at myself as a student. So my, my, my first priority is performance, uh, do the schoolwork. So I, I put them very, very last. But I, until after a few years, I, my studio is growing. So I have a conflict with my performance job. So it's hard for me to make a decision. But if I don't have lots of students, I can't set a policy because you will lose students. You know, because if you're a college student, I think extra money is extra money. Until you have confidence, you will get more students. Then you can start to make that move. That's my suggestion. Because you need the money, but you also, when we're a college student, we also need the experience. You know, sometimes we need to buy the experience. I look at that as a free opportunity, you know? So there's no pressure. Why not? So that's... Maybe that's just me. Uh, maybe other people do it the same way. <laughs> Thanks, Lily. <laughs> you know, as you begin to level up and really build yourself a brand and build awareness around your studio, I would only, I would think that your friends would see that as amazing. They would see you and be, because they've been along for, with you on this ride, as you have become a better teacher, you've graduated, you know, you're up, you're up leveling, leveling up your studio and your business. I, like Mage has said in the comments a little bit, she's talking about how 
she has increased her rates and kind of kicked out those that weren't interested, you're not necessarily at a position where you have this waiting list of people. So it's a little bit different, but I would still consider raising your rates, introducing your policies and doing all of that with, with those students giving them that new rate. And if they're enjoying lessons with you, they're going to keep taking lessons with you. And then if you, if you run into some challenges, say you can let them know, say, okay, well, I'm going to try to fill all these spots with that new rate because that's what I charge now. If you have some, you could tell them if I have an opening, I'll let you know, and then let them know if you have that opening, but giving them that little bit of scarcity, you know, you are an in-demand teacher, they don't need to know whether you are or not, but you are because you're going to be promoting yourself, marketing yourself, building your brand. They need to see you as that. And that's only going to increase how much they're practicing. It's going to increase how much they want to take from you because they see you as a business owner versus a friend that teaches them piano lessons. Uh, what do you think is like a rate margin increase that would be realistic? Because there's someone who literally pays me $10 an hour and I now charge 65 so. <laughs> $10 an hour is so rough. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrible. Did you see all the eyebrows in, in our, <laughs> of our teachers? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think like, uh, I mean, when I was 15, $10 an hour was great, but um, I don't know. I think a $55 increase is not, you know, not a I, happy place. I would look at it more for what what you're charging, if you're charging 65 an hour, awesome rate, what, what can you go down from there versus what you can go up from where you are with them? So if you're going, okay, okay well, I could, my discounted rate, my family and friends rate is 45 an hour. That's what it is. Um, you know, or it's, if it's 40 an hour, whatever you feel comfortable with and whatever is going to support you and your income and, and make it okay for you to keep that spot for them. Because it could only take you six months to where you're filling all your days and now you still have these people that you just told this new rate to. So, Jay, that's a great May idea. I say something extra here, yes, Carly? Yes, Richard. Yeah, Jack, um, I, I know the awkwardness of the position and everything you're in. Um, I experienced it much younger, like, you know, when it was like teaching at age 14 and 15, some people down the street and some people in, in high school and whatnot. But one thing that you could do is if you keep really careful records and evaluations, like you have regular evaluations with the students, you know, with any student, I'm, I'm dealing with this issue this year of just you know, trying to figure out, well, what looks really, um, uh, you know, what's acceptable in terms of what they're doing. And usually the correlation is the better the student is doing, when you raise your rates or do various, make various changes in the studio, they'll still be on board because they're so happy. They just want to keep you. So if you keep careful records, it's showing that you really care. Um, I, I do things like I'm kind of a micromanager in, in a sense. So, you know, like for instance, after every lesson, I send a personalized letter, you know, but I keep it short. I've really learned how to do it very quickly and then include an assignment worksheet and a practice log for them. So everything is very clearly spelled out. So I, I don't know if this would help, but usually it's over the course of a year. I just moved to uh, Bellevue, Washington last year, and it was uh, quite an eye-opener. And so this year, I have been keeping very careful records and working with the students, and they can see I have a track record with them. So I, I think it might be easier than you think, Jack, um, concerning especially the older ones, because Carly has it right on, right on the nose there, where you know, you're talking about your brand and everything, and they see what you're doing and the excitement, you kind of build the buzz 
around your studio and everything. I think that might be helpful, but again, it something has to be carefully, you know, cultivated and just, you know, it's it's an exercise in patience is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so like like I mentioned, I'm like I'm still still kind of new. This is kind of like a year and a half into teaching, so I'm just kind of wondering when would be like appropriate time to potentially do to up the rates because versus my other piano teacher, she does, she does have a master's degree versus me having like a bachelor's degree. I'm just wondering kind of the dynamic there of where it might be appropriate to up the rate or just kind of keep, keep it where it's at. Sure. Yeah. A good time of year is now when you're registering for the new school year. Um, I mean, a lot, there's such a mix, Marie, there's so many ways to do it. (laughs) I know a lot of teachers in the membership say they raise their rates every year um, by $5. And then we have other teachers who just doubled their rates because that's what they felt like it was time. Um, And so I I always say, do the research, think about it, and then follow your gut, follow what you feel like that feels right. Or that feels like an an amount that um, I feel comfortable charging. You may not know how how they'll react, but you feel comfortable charging that. yeah, there, there's not really a, a formula for it or when to do it. Um, as far as your level of experience, that that does play a part. I do have a tuition calculator in the membership that helps you gauge if you're charging enough based off of your level of experience. If you've attended any conferences, that's not a huge that's not a huge part of it, but it does add a little bit. It also incorporates if you do virtual recitals or if you have group classes, kind of what you package in your studio helps add to the value of your, of your, of your studio. If you were teaching only four students and you never had a recital or you never had any kind of interaction, you can't charge as much as a teacher who incorporates all of those things. So there could be a teacher who has a doctorate degree who only has three students they teach once a week, but they don't do all that extra stuff. They can't charge as much as someone with a bachelor's degree or with no degree, but who has this amazing experience and who's an excellent teacher. So it's really hard to calculate. Um, I wanted to add that, yeah, I just wanted to add that about that tuition calculator. I've used it and I've also consulted with, in fact, I even had a, a former post a couple of weeks back about that. And I, uh, there's a, a marketing friend of mine who's really great at it and he, he's been very successful in music. And in the figures that he came up with, as well as what I came up with, the tuition calculator were a, almost exactly on target. There were not more than a few dollars apart. I was so blown away. So I would really encourage all of you who have not used that tuition calculator, please, please. It's a very realistic view of what, what you can expect. It's very well done, Carly. I really, I swear Thank by that. <laughs> I love that you keep mentioning it because then it makes it so I don't have to. Would like to present a virtual recital to a nursing home, nursing homes. Wow. Luann, where are you? I can, I'm just there looking you. for you. There you are. Can you explain yep, a little more? Um, I, of course, I've, I've been teaching for a while. I take lots of recitals to the nursing homes, including I love Halloween recitals where the kids dress up in costume and present their pieces. And the, the, the residents, of course, have a great time. Um, but that's obviously can't happen in COVID. So um, I've, I've called and left the messages saying that this is what I would like to try and do. Um, 
you know, I know that Zoom isn't as clear as I would like it to be as far as live performance is concerned. So I, I would like to know if there's a platform of recording. And also, I can't have the recital with all the people. They each have to do their recordings at home. And then I'd have to present that recital in some sort of form to the nursing home. And I could probably do it to all the nursing homes at once if I get this thing together. I've got a large studio, so I could have some really fantastic music going on. And um, I just think it would be nice to share with them. They're, they're, they're isolated. I'm in Florida, so it's really nasty here. And um, Sorry about really that. Nice I was just opening share. something to show you. <laughs> well, let me see. Okay, so the thought I was going to share with you is if you can put all of your videos in a YouTube playlist, you can... Yeah, I don't know anything how to do that. Yeah, YouTube Okay, so I just, I just am creating a class, a new class right now that is coming out in what month? October. But I'll give you a preview right now because we're on this call. So basically all you need to do is go into, I'm just opening it up. Um, do you know how to use YouTube? No, I'll buy, I can play things on YouTube, but I've okay. never put anything on. It's pretty off. simple. In YouTube, if you have a Gmail account, then you have a YouTube channel. You just didn't know you had one. Okay. So a YouTube channel is connected to your, it's Google, it's owned by Google. So it's connected to your Gmail. So if you go into your Gmail, you just click these in the top, right? You'll see, you'll see this, these little squares, this little grid. Mm -hmm. That's where YouTube is. Okay. And then in the top, right is your user right here. So you click on that and then click your channel. And if you've never uploaded to YouTube, this will be empty. This will just be totally empty. Okay. Kind of like this one, this is a sample. And then within YouTube, to upload videos, you click this little plus sign, mm -hmm. upload video, and you need those videos from your students. You're gonna put them, you can select them here, grab those videos, upload them to YouTube. I'm giving you the quick version. Um, so what I had my students do was record themselves. I actually did this in um, 2018 in the summer months when I didn't have a time for all of us to gather to do a, an in-person online recital. I had everybody record themselves and I just sent them a link to the playlist so that they could watch all of the other students playing. And this is something you could do at a nursing home. Most nursing homes, I'm going to assume they play movies for their um, for their patrons, for anybody that is living there. And yes. they probably have access to the internet. They probably have access to YouTube. So this is such a great option because all you need to do is send them this playlist. And so you could have a, a 2020 Halloween fun recital, put all their videos in the playlist. And then all the person at the nursing home has to do is click play and it'll auto play all of those, those songs. That'd be fun. I think so. I, I also think that probably great. work for small recitals too. Like if you want small children to get the experience, they could probably do that to each other too. Yeah. yeah. So another, to add on top of that, something a lot of teachers are doing is getting that playlist and then they're doing a live zoom recital for their studio and right. playing the videos for each other versus playing live. That, that sounds good too. And all the, yeah. all the relatives can watch their, their students play or their, yeah. their children play. And, if you do it that way, you do have better audio because they've right. pre-recorded it on their device versus playing it live and getting the audio through their microphones. So 
some teachers are opting in for that. Some teachers are doing a hybrid where they have some students playing live, whoever wants to. And for those who can't attend or those who are really nervous or just want to make sure it's perfect, they're doing that recording and then doing it live as well. I'm going oh, a little fast. So some of those students really do not like to do recordings. Oh my goodness, I've, I've had some terrified kids playing recordings. Unbelievable. But They're more scared to record than, than live. More afraid of recordings <laughs> than live. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's good for them. It's really good for them. I know. I'm, I'm into the performance. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're welcome. Yeah, I have the same uh, idea. I want to do a virtual recital, a pre-record recital for my students. So I asking them to send me a recording uh, they playing. But the previous recital, there's one student send me a hand, only show her hand. And now my studio is getting some hand disease. I keep getting these hand recitals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I yeah, because I did tell their parents to respect the privacy. If you're not willing to share your face to others, you can just show me your hands. <laughs> but now I have so many hands. What can I? What can I do with this situation? Should I? So oh, yeah. Send, send them a demonstration video, Lily, of what their video should look like. Um, Put your, you know, wherever you set your device, say, this is, this is the view. I need to be able to see the student and their hands. If they don't want their hands in it, then you, or if they don't want their face in it, then say that they, you still need to be able to see the full keyboard. Um, because yeah, we don't want just a video of hands. Um. Okay. So you means if they show me the full keyboard without a face, that's fine. Right. For the recital. So yeah, I mean, sure. I think okay. so. But I wouldn't start with that. I would only tell that to a student who feels nervous. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong. I mean, we're used to playing in person for each other. So this is already like, you're not even in the same room. You, you could still film them, especially if you tell them you're not going to be sharing these online or, yeah, but okay. I would, I, I would always assume it's going to be okay. Um, unless you have someone who doesn't feel that way. Also, when you guys do your registration, you should be asking for permission to use any content for social media. I have never had anyone that said no. Doesn't mean that anybody won't say no, but you do want to ask um, for that in advance. That way you can use recital clips as a demo video. You can be using that content on your Facebook business page, on Instagram. There's so many places you can take those recordings and share them online. That is not at all uh, weird or like, blasting it to the world it's it's your business and it's just demonstration demonstrating how wonderful the student is so i think it's totally okay to use uh, but if i want to do some introduction uh like i want to say a few words before the student play like ethers recital and how can i do that i edit it later or are you are you planning on doing a live zoom and then sharing recordings in the live zoom call uh no i'm one recording pre-recording uh, like zoom and I, mm -hmm. I yeah uh, a YouTube playlist and then I share with the parents okay you can't do that with a YouTube playlist um, oh. but if you wanted to make like what Mage did she made a recital highlight and she had slides and text over the top but it mm -hmm. was one big long video yes so yes. If you want to make one big long video with all of their pieces edited together, then you'll mm -hmm. need to use an editing tool like iMovie 
or ScreenFlow or Premiere Pro or Final Cut. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, you'll need to use something basic like that where you can drop those videos in, add text over the top. You could also record your voice in between those videos if you wanted to do it like a production. Okay, so if I want to do the easy and fast way, a YouTube playlist, that's the fast way to do it. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yes, okay. and you know what? You know what's so nice about those YouTube playlists is you could do it more frequently. You could be encouraging your students to record every single song that they finish and just get into this habit. What I do in my studio is I once a quarter, well, it's turned into more like once a month, but I used to say once a quarter, they're working towards a recording session. So they're working towards this moment where they get to record three or four, or maybe it's just one song if they're working on a big piece. And they're adding this to their own YouTube library and so that they can see their own progress, right? And we can do that now. And kids already know how to, they already know YouTube. They already know how to record videos of themselves, probably more than their parents do. So you guys figure it out so that you can get on the same level as your students because <laughs> they already know how to do it. Or ask them to teach you because they can teach you if you don't know. <laughs> Carl, that's a great idea about the regularity of <clears throat> doing a playlist like that. You know, once a quarter, you have a piece or two that you really, hey, this is what we're going to aim for. That, that really gave me a really good idea. I really appreciate that. That's really, really good to do. It, it keeps them on their toes. It keeps them, exactly. keeps them with a goal to look forward to. It's not just something isolated where they're just, you know, they're, they're just learning this piece. and Yeah, but they're not playing for anybody. Well, yes, now you can. You can get ready for a recording. And they all like the idea of recording. I'm sure they do. Kids know much more than we, than we than we think they do. It's amazing. I mean, I'm always constantly electronically challenged. They just look at it like, oh, that's how you do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, what I've, I've found is, well, you all know this, that they, they need something to work towards. And just because of the pandemic, we don't need to think, oh, it's so hard to do this. We just need to be a little bit creative, think a little differently, and either doing a virtual recital, if that feels like too much, then just encourage them to do these recordings of themselves. And everyone loves to show off a little. Everyone loves to share something they've worked so hard on. And so these recordings give them an opportunity to send that out to family, to post it on Facebook, to post it on their Instagram. So turning it into something where, hey, you worked so hard on this rag, let's record the first page, play it as fast as you can, and let's post it on Facebook for all of your friends to see. You know, something like that gets them so excited and turns it more into something that's fun for them versus uh, maybe a little nerve wracking if it's a recital. Luann's asking, why don't you have the student announce their piece? You, you absolutely can. That's something I do with those recitals. I didn't play the videos, but I always have them say, hi, my name is Leah and I'm playing this or that. You don't have to with YouTube because you can put it directly in the title and the description so they can see, you know, um, Gone with the Wind by Leah or, or whatever it is, they can see the name of that piece along with the, the performer and the composer. You can put all of that directly into the title. If you're doing a live recital on Zoom, then of course have them, just like a regular recital, have them announce their piece. And I don't usually have them bow in a live recital, but you still could do that as well. Okay, good. Oh, another question. Um, yeah, I think this is a question everyone wants to know. So how, to, how can we teach online lessons successfully for advanced, advanced students? 
because most most of them are talking about how to engage, but that's for kids. But I feel for really advanced students, online teaching is really, really different than in-person teaching. So you're, you're referring to pedagogy and, you know, working with higher level, higher level yes, students. Like very lab, like professional level, uh, like level 10. Because uh, right now I, f I just find out a, a new app can solve the sound quality. Now I can play duet with the student, but that's a Chinese app. Uh, but still it can fix the, the poor, um, the picture quality and the view is different and it, it just, you, you know what I'm talking about? A Stanley piano is different than a keyboard. You can't use a keyboard to teach high-level students. Maybe Richard can have some experience. How do you? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I just recently came across, I, I, I did a post uh, last weekend about uh, this new uh, uh, audio codex system. You know, it's put out by Digigram. I don't know how many have seen it. But I would encourage you to check it out. I got a live demo on it. It's 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 called Ikoya I Q O Y A. I don't know what it's an acronym for, but uh, the the fellow there that demonstrated works for a company called Syntax, and it's a really uh, I, what I'll do is I, I just would encourage you to take a look at the post again. It's under the technology area, and there's a um, a link in there. You click on that, and you'll it it, it tells you. I mean, it gives you a, a it juxtaposes the like a Zoom call. And then you have this uh, other, well, it's actually a Zoom call too, but you turn the audio off and you use this new audio codec. And it's amazing the difference. It's just, it would blow you away. I mean, it's CD quality. Still, there's not anything that you can do with um, simultaneity, you know, and, and doing exact duets, but it has a mixer built in. You could pre-record stuff and then they get it on their side and it works perfectly, you know, the simultaneity. It really does work well. But uh, it's a subscription-based thing. I'm still, uh, he, the gentleman that was uh, giving me the live demo a couple days ago is going to send me some more examples of different instruments. But what I heard was with voice and with piano, and piano is so difficult to capture because the sound, it decays. We don't play a sustaining instrument, unfortunately. So uh, it really, I, I would encourage all, all of you to check it out because I'm, I'm about on the verge. I think this might be a game changer. Do you know, Richard, did they talk does it integrate with a video calling software or it is a video calling software? No, it is not a video calling software. All it is is it integrates with your, they, it, they suggest that you use uh, Firefox because either Chrome or Safari do not allow you to play in stereo. Firefox allows that. And then also um, it, it has a mixer that's built in where you can do the pre-recorded stuff. And uh, unfortunately, Safari and Chrome do not support that. But it, it just, it's almost like a plug-in, and it becomes a plug-in, and you call the person, you know, you send the link, the other person has the link, and then they answer it, and then now you're hooked up with the audio, and I guess it knows how to turn everything else off, but you can still do it on a Zoom call, you can do it on Skype. Mm -hmm. A couple more thoughts for you, Lily. When you're working with an advanced student, I would encourage you to take some video of you playing the pieces that the student is learning. Also, start incorporating some already made YouTube videos by um, even other more, well, not more amazing, but other amazing teachers that are also making demonstration videos. And those students should be using those YouTube videos every single day. They should be studying 
your wrist movement, your dynamics, everything that you want them to learn, you can demonstrate for them. And then you're not having to, you don't feel this pressure to demonstrate perfectly during your lesson because you don't have a lot of time during your lesson and you, your audio isn't always amazing. So if they are using that video during the week, especially a lot of these students are learning songs that take them a semester, sometimes a full three or four months to perfect, you can really use video um, to your advantage. And it does not need to be a professional video that you're planning on posting online. You could just set up your phone, hit record, Make sure that they can see your posture and hear the sound well enough, and that's going to help a ton. I know that it's not a perfect fix, but I often do that with advanced students, and it, it does help a lot. And then I look on YouTube for as many performances as I can find that reflect how I think they should play it, <laughs> and I use those as well. So hopefully that's helpful. Yes, yes, yes. That, that's what I did. It's really, that's really a good advice. Maybe I work on that. I think instead of work on fix the sound quality to pay a big money from that direction, maybe your direction is a cheaper way and a fast way to reach the goal. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I wish Esther was in this call, but Esther being in our group, she is a, um, she, she works with level eight, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 students online. So I would be curious too how she has found that workaround. I know she has quite a bit of tech in her studio that's helping her out a lot. She has multiple angles, pretty good microphone set up, and she has, she kind of rotates between pianos. So she's got, you know, the, the dream setup um, that we can all work towards. But in the meantime, you can always use videos to help. Would you maybe post a, uh... Uh, a section like oh, how to uh, uh, work on advanced student and then all oh, we share how we do it. Sure. Yeah, we all post that in the group and we can start a conversation. That's a great idea. Lori. I was just going to say as a student growing up, I once in a while was able to talk my teachers into performing the piece for me, maybe just a section of the piece because pretty much just the music itself was too much, too overwhelming for me to understand how to practice it when I would go home. So if I could get my teacher to perform it, I had a much better understanding. So Lily, think of how much more we have come just in those years that you could actually record it and the student can listen to it over and over. It wasn't until I even went to college when we had the listening libraries that I realized that there were performances of these classical songs that I could actually listen to. And I was thinking, oh, that's gonna be so much better for me to be able to hear it. But to be able to see your teacher do it anytime, as many times as you want is a real benefit. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Right, Can I add one more thing here? Um, uh, I think it's a really great idea about listening to other performances, but I also like to get into a real dialogue with the students. For instance, if, uh, and even for the younger ones, but especially the, the older ones and the more advanced, what I do is it's this kind of thing where they're going to teach me, you know, I'll, I'll play through something and they have to see, you know, if they find anything wrong. Or if I talk about a certain concept, they have to re-explain it in their own words and they have to demonstrate it for me. So if you, if you open up that kind of dialogue with them, the more advanced ones can usually get a hold of it. It really makes, it, it's kind of an empowering kind of thing because the students realize, oh, wow, I mean, I can actually have a, a real dialogue, you know, something that's meaningful with, you know, with the master, you know, whatever, you know, with the artist. So I think it's a, a good approach. You know, that's one, one of the tools that I use. 
Oh, that's so powerful. When we can get to a level in our teaching where we are using that time with the student in a way where we are going back and forth with them and not just talking at them or just like unloading things that we expect them to do. That's, that is such an amazing level of teaching. I think of if I had teachers like that, you know, I feel like maybe in college I had a few who, who incorporated that, but to have a teacher who checks for understanding and checks to make sure you're getting it, that is where you become something something so unique and amazing because anyone can look up a video on YouTube and try to replicate what they're seeing. But if they have that teacher every week who's holding them accountable, but then also giving them these new levels of musicality, it's just incredible. So such great advice. Thank you so much, Richard. Yeah. It's always interesting to see how they think on their feet. That's what I'm really interested in that kind of thing. And it really, it helps. Yes. At uh, one more thought, yeah, I was, I was in a teacher training, the music tree, and they said never let the student live without understanding about every single thing. Uh, as a teacher, you, you, be, you should understand everything you teach that piece more than the piece you work on. Wow, <laughs> that's some, something. Uh, and my, my husband told me, he's also a teacher, how to track the student is really understand or not, don't ask yes or no question. That was, I always, oh, do you understand the, the, the teacher, the student maybe say yes. You ask them specific questions. Do you, uh, do you ask them, how do you think about this, blah, 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 blah. If they don't understand, you check this way and you make sure you explain one more time and let them write it down. That's, no, he's really get it or not. <laughs> so that's, that's the one more thought I, I, I add. Thank you, Lily. Thank you, everyone. This was such a fun evening. I'm going to share the recording in our membership if you want to rewatch. I saw a lot of you taking notes. That's so great. You're so diligent and awesome and trying to apply everything. I want to add that if you're feeling overwhelmed with content or with trying to do it all, just remember you don't have to do it all. <laughs> like it, it's already, what is it, August? And look at how far you've come since March when COVID-19 turned everyone's world upside down. So you're doing amazing. Don't overwhelm yourself with trying to do everything in one week. You have time, your students love you. They're going to be patient with you. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between the, the things we're talking about and not. So if your mind is spinning, I wanna do this and I wanna do that, awesome. Um, but don't be too hard on yourself if you can't do it all at once. So those are my last my last words of, <laughs> of advice, I guess. So I hope you guys all have a wonderful evening and we will see you guys, of course, in the membership. I'll just unmute everyone so everybody can say bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 See ya. I hope that that was fun for you to hear some of the most common questions that our Teach Music Online teachers are asking and how we're able to help them solve these problems and challenges in their studios. When you're ready to join us, head over to teachmusic.online where you can get access to the membership, which includes these twice monthly group sessions, as well as my entire course, an engagement course, business videos, business tips, marketing strategies, an amazing network of teachers, and so much more. We would absolutely love to have you head over to teachmusic.online to learn more. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast for a brand new episode every single Monday. I hope you have an amazing week and as always, happy teaching.